Hi, this is Vol. This is Vol. Hi, this is Paul. This is the follow-up video from the video that I posted yesterday entitled Jonathan Peugeot plays C.S. Lewis to Russell Brand, Pain is God's Megaphone for a Deaf World, where Russell Brand was talking to Jonathan Peugeot. I made it a separate video because, again, I don't know the status of this video on YouTube. I think it was originally for Rumble. I'm hoping that this conversation between Russell Brand and Jonathan Peugeot goes to Jonathan's channel because it was a great conversation. I talked about it on the other video. Uh, I, 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 I really did not know what to expect from this conversation, but uh, yeah, Jonathan rode the Leviathan pretty well. And I, I thought it was there was there was a lot of there was a lot of real good stuff in there. I, I ended it with um, a reading from Sheldon Van Auken, and I might just put that in this video here for continuity's sake because it's important because <laughs> it's important he says why would i be putting in my video if i didn't think it was important so i'll, I'll break here and and then i'll restart and i don't we'll, we'll see if i remember to drop it in or not anyway so this was this the section that i've read from a fair amount from the book of severe mercy where Lewis is having these correspondence with Sheldon Van Auken. And Lewis is talking about why, after he became a theist, why he chose Christianity instead of Hinduism. Now, over the weekend, a friend of mine showed me this YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel is called Homath. And this is going to get a response, but this guy's YouTube channel is just climbing fast, and it's going to be a big channel and it does fit in with what's happening now in terms of wisdom. Okay, um, what, what on earth do we mean by wisdom? If you can go back to, I don't know what Jacob's doing right now, but it looks like he's doing a little commentary on the psychological drivers of the Metacrisis, John Verveke, Ian McGilchrist, and Daniel Smachtenberg. And again, so much of what's going on in all of the big channels connected to this little corner of the internet is about wisdom. Well, what is wisdom about? Wisdom is about navigating this world. Now, part of how Jonathan fits, Jonathan Peugeot fits into sort of the God number one, God number two thing, Jonathan's a very late development Protestantism usually sees Jesus as Jesus saves the world, which in many ways puts Jesus at a distance from the world. A lot of what grew up in the counterculture that grew up in the 1960s is, you think about it, again, I've used this illustration many times, think about Chuck Colson going to his wife He's gotten caught. He's hitting rock bottom. He's gotten caught in the whole Watergate thing. He's going to go to jail. And he goes home to his wife and he says, Honey, I've become a Christian. And she's, I thought we were Episcopalians. Russell Brand has hit bottom recently because of the stuff coming out of England. And he talks in this video with Jonathan Peugeot how someone sends him, someone out of the blue sends him this video of Rick Warren. And Rick Warren, who lost his son to suicide. And again, what so many are looking for from wisdom in this world is 
How can I have the life I've always wanted? And included in the life you've always wanted is not a son who commits suicide. A son who commits suicide from one of the most popular, famous, high-status ministers in the United States. And what touched Russell Brand was this very simple prayer that Rick Warren was talking about. And and probably what also touched him was Rick Warren speaking honestly and truthfully about his pain. And I didn't, I'll have to find, so, so if one of you finds the clip, put it in the comment section because I'll see it because I'll, I'd be interested to dig it up. It's probably a very famous clip if someone sent it to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, no, Russell Wilson is the quarterback for the Denver Broncos who I should have, I did win, I got I got fifth place in my fantasy football league, which isn't great, but um, it's better than losing. Anyway, Russell Brand. My brain is so hopelessly ADHD. The Rick Warren sent to Russell Brand is all about trusting Jesus because, okay, now back to Jonathan Peugeot and God number one. What you hear from Peugeot all the time is that Jesus is revelation because he reveals how the world works. And so before the, the Rick Warren segment of this conversation, Jonathan was talking about the resurrection. How can you believe in the resurrection? Now, again, most apologists for the last 20, 30 years have done things like the minimal facts argument. Well, I'm going to sort of approach it like a police forensic thing. And it, we were sort of driven that way by the way epistemology and um, the culture went over a while. Jonathan Peugeot sort of reverses it and says, I believe in the resurrection because that is the way the world works. So you see uh, people say, well, the resurrection is there because of Easter and springtime and all of this. And Jonathan Peugeot sort of inverts that and says, no, the resurrection is true because of Easter and inversion and those things. It isn't that the resurrection is sort of a mythological story that expresses these things. It's that the resurrection is sort of a limiting case of these things. I believe the resurrection because springtime comes. And we've made similar arguments with respect to, let's say, the crucifixion. I believe in the crucifixion because it's a limiting case because every mother sacrifices for her child, and et cetera, et cetera. I've made those arguments in many of my videos. So the last video that, again, I entitled... What did I entitle it? Jonathan Peugeot plays C.S. Lewis to Russell Brand. Pain is God's megaphone for a deaf world. Home math and wisdom. I can't find the first video that uh, was shared with me, um, but I've watched a couple of others. One of the first videos that was shared with me was the Chimp World video. And we'll see how Homath deals with me sort of um, commenting on his videos. Now, I feel okay with this because he's basically doing similar to what I'm doing, similar to what we're all doing. We're, we're having this conversation with each other. And so here's a woman probably on TikTok or on YouTube Shorts or something going on around the... <laughs> There's a reason this guy's channel's blowing up. Uh, he's no dummy. Monogamy is not good for women. She is a little right and a lot wrong. Here's her pitch. In the chimp world, because they don't know like whose kids are whose, everyone is kind of helping everybody out. 
That's because they're chimps. We live in human world where we don't help everybody out. Actually, it's not just me saying this. It's not just her. Chimp society, especially bonobos, is a popular idea with women because they believe they will get provision from all of the males plus the ability to choose the father of their children. But they won't because human beings do not work that way, especially not the women. I was listening to the Fresh Air podcast on- That's funny, because if you try this, we'll all be getting a lot of fresh air. Why doesn't monkey society work? Let's hear her out. Gorilla, the men are physically so much bigger than the women. One man has multiple partners that he can like physically defend. Chimps on the other hand, men, women, about the same size, and everyone's kind of having sex with everyone. The whole community is taking care of all the kids. There is no like mine and yours. Why is that good for women? Well, in human world, my money goes to my children. But in monkey world, everyone's money goes to everyone's children. That means you, even though they don't have money, don't have to have this guy's kid to get him to pay in. That means that all the women can pick the best genes for their children, but all the other men will still work to feed them. And that sounds really great. So why are we not doing it? Two now, part of what I, um, part of what I wanted to make with this is the way that evolution, evolutionary psychology is completely dominating the YouTube space here. And wherever you stand on um, human descendants from animals, for against it, there's a lot of, there, there, there are a lot, there are a lot of things we've never really looked at with respect to, okay, how, what is wisdom and how should all of this work? I really want to find that first video I saw of his. So I had to contact my source. Some of you who guess who or who my source is, but <laughs> this is the video he showed me. And this is where I thought, oh, isn't this interesting? Long shorts, just be yourself. Now he's, he's struggling with some of his sound. He's, he's uh, um, I understand struggling with sound. I've noticed a lot of women noticing a lot of men checking out of the dating market and asking why. And I'm kind of doing that right now too. It's not that I can't get attention. It's that it usually isn't worth it. Here's my experience. Tell me why it's more worth it to be single than to have a partner. This is a question I've seen from a lot of women lately. They want to understand why men are checking out of the dating market. The short answer is that the dating market feels like this. For men. So every young man wants a girlfriend. And we say, hey, I want a girlfriend. And the first thing we hear is, uh, no one owes you anything. And that's fair enough. That's true. So then we say, well, how do I get a girlfriend? And the first answer that ever... Now, one of the things that I thought of, again, is... There's always a sense of the internet, of the old story, the philosopher's story, where the guy looking for his keys looks under the search, looks under the streetlight because that's the only part of the neighborhood he can see. So this there's obviously a much bigger image. And now being a pastor who has just turned 60 and has been in the ministry for many years, I've seen men and women... So being a pastor in a community with a high population of African Amer older African-American women, I have known a lot of women 
African-American women in particular, who once they got into their 50s and 60s, looked at me and said, I am done with men. And and they meant it. Um, so there's a there, fair amount of men and women checking out of the market. And again, part of this is in our culture that has so idealized romantic relationships. I mean, men have porn, but women have romantic comedies. There, I said it. So, Jod Verveke, Jod Verveke's comments about romantic comedies and awakening from the meaning crisis, just hilarious. Um, and, and it just typifies the tension between the sexes here. Now, now again, you might wonder, well, how, how does this connect with Jonathan Peugeot and God Number One and God Number Two and Russell Brand? We'll get there. Every young man hears is, be nice. Be nice to girls and then you'll get a girlfriend. There's the default cultural religion. Be nice. Nice. All of morality is reduced to nice. All of our laws have to be nice. Everything has to be about being nice. And sort of being nice is the Jesus of our culture. So then we do that. We go, okay, I'll buy her flowers and give her compliments and pay a lot of attention to her. No most good Christian kids just ask Jesus, but they also work being nice. One owes you for being nice. Okay, fair enough again, but confusing. So the answer that you gave us did not work. So then we have to go ask other guys who have girlfriends, like, how did you do that? And what they always say is, just be yourself. And it's like, oh. another another Jesus magic word in our culture. Now, part of the reason guys say this is because every guy knows other guys who they think, wow, this guy would make a great boyfriend. This guy would make a great husband. This is part of the reason that so often people fix each other up. And part of the reason that probably a good way to find somebody is to talk to someone that you know and respect and get advice from them. It's sort of similar to my advice. Well, pastor, how do I find a church? Find a friend of yours who is happy with their church and that you respect. You respect that friend and start going to church with them. Now, you might change churches because it might not fit you, but at least you at least get a little bit used to swimming before you can swim on your own. So often, Almost all young guys have friends that they think this guy would make a great father and husband and boyfriend and nobody picks him up because he's shy or we're going to get into all the all the reasons here. Okay, who was I being before? I don't remember being a different guy, but okay. And usually the guy is attractive, so he doesn't know where his results come from. So then we be ourselves for a while and no one owes you for that either. So women are not... Now, the, usually the guy's attractive and nobody knows where the results comes from. This comes from part of what we have going on now with respect to evolutionary psychology is all this two-level theory stuff, which isn't, which isn't invalid. There's, we, we have this suspicion there's, there's a lot going on that we don't know what's going on and that our reasons, the chattering rider on the elephant, as Jonathan Haidt talks about, the reasons are not abundantly obvious to any of us not giving us the correct answer and guys who can get women are not giving us the correct answer because they don't know they just got them so we have to just start listening to like society just movies and tv and parents and teachers 
and they will tell you everything and the opposite of everything. They will tell you that it's all about looks and women don't care about looks and that women want you to have money and women don't care about money and it's all about being nice. And some guys just give up there and they just go back to like, I want a girlfriend and the world should give me a girlfriend and they get no one owes you. But some guys try something and we just have to guess at what that is. And most of the time, whatever you guess and whatever you try, no one owes you for that either. But in my case, what I guessed was I'm going to work out and get muscles. And if you do that, it turns out that everyone owes you whatever you want, I guess. So, I And of course, it's not a dumb guess because where where are we getting our cues from we're getting our cues from the world's greatest influence engine called the media hollywood stories i got in shape and i guess i looked pretty good and women started treating me really well and i thought okay well now i can get a girlfriend wrong again being attractive only gets you short-term sexual relations now, I've watched a few of his videos, and he has these charts. And, and this is part of what makes his YouTube channel interesting, because the guy is clearly not dumb. Now, he's into some other charts, which are going to be interesting, because some in this corner will begin to recognize integral theory, which is behind a lot of his cultural analysis. So it's it's it's... There's a lot here. There's a lot of wisdom here. There's a lot you can learn here. That's true. But again, it's in some ways sort of like searching for your keys under the streetlight. Women are looking for a whole series of other qualities for enduring relationships with men. After I got in shape, I really thought that I was going to be able to use that. And he's got a lot more videos where he goes into these charts. And, and, and you know, I've, I've watched some of it. And a lot of it's really worthwhile. To get a long-term partner. But it turns out that they just want to have sex with you. All of them. So it wasn't being nice. It wasn't being myself. It wasn't any of this nonsense. I took a guess at this and it got me sex. But then everyone ran away. And now, you also have to sort of bite into the fact that there's generalizations here. But as with almost every generalization, there's something beneath the generalization that gives it the truthiness that it has. So now I'm back to here again. And I heard that women like guys who could express themselves emotionally. So I figured out how to do that. I really like this video because it's so true. Because, again, it's been a few years, but even before the internet and before all of this imagined destruction... This, of course, was the game that you play when you're in high school or college or a young adult. That. And then I started having conversations with women that were like, wow, you're so attractive and you're so emotionally intelligent and evolved. Someone will appreciate you one day, just not me. At one point, I thought it might be all about money. So I worked on my resume and I tried to get a job. It turns out that no one owes you one of those either. So, I don't know. I went to college. I applied for jobs. I got in shape. I'm emotionally intelligent. I'm being nice. I'm now, he's he's working on a maxing thing, which, again, I talked about this after a Kidology video because I'd never heard of any of this maxing talk before. And well, let's keep going. Being myself. And sometimes I would find someone who liked me, who was willing to accept what I had. And these are all true stories. A bunch of them said they were cheating on their boyfriends or their husbands. A bunch of them waited three months and said they wanted to be polyamorous. 
One girl told me straight up that she liked this and this about me, but she needed me to make double what she was making, and she was making 90 grand a year. And then people said, hey, maybe it's your fault for choosing these women. And it's not like I ordered them off a menu. I don't think they should be like that. They just turned out that way. So I, I worked on that. Now, it's right here when I was watching this video with my friend and he was showing, he said, I found, you gotta, you gotta see this channel. And I was watching it and I thought, ah, and this is, this is where things get interesting because context is implied here, but the men and the women, especially the women in imagined in this video, because they're sort of the, the constant out then there and the men were the variables. And so, okay, how can I adjust my variables to, to hit the constant, which is sort of imagined like a marketplace. These women have also been formed. And if you go back to the Louise Perry conversation with Chris Williamson, she talked about the fact that this market dynamic in dating is very, very new. And before then, and he, he talks about this, and I'm not saying anything that isn't in, the, in his channel and other places. Before then, you got recommendations and your pools were much smaller. Part of the problem is this, this, is this disruption that happens on the internet and via the internet with respect to these things. Yes, I worked on this. I did pretty good with both of them. I tried my hardest here. It's not working. I don't know why. I don't know why I can't get a job. And this is all I'm getting, except for this, of course. So the only thing I'm missing is this, and that didn't change until like this week. And the few times I have been in a relationship, they ran around looking like this. And then they said, it's your fault I cheated on you. You're being controlling. So when men say that the juice isn't worth the squeeze, what we mean is this is what we're putting into this, and this is what we're getting back, and this, and this. And then we try to just leave. Now, what really caught my attention here, well, a lot of things caught my attention. Remember sort of the climax of the Barbie movie where there's this speech where she says how hard it is to be a woman? Now, now, her woman difficulty isn't at her age finding a man. She's got a man who is at home learning Duolingo, trying to learn Spanish, who neither she nor her daughter seem to respect a whole lot. Her speech is just how hard it is for women and everything's hard for women. And in some ways, this is kind of the same thing even go, okay, I'm going to go live in the woods by myself. And people go, what's wrong with you? Why don't you man up and try harder? And it's like the only thing I didn't absolutely crush was money. I crushed this. I crushed this. And to whatever degree this is autobiographical, now that he's found YouTube and Patreon and he'll probably get up there in the money thing. And um, I mean, because he's clearly a smart guy. A bunch of other things. It's, it's really just this for me. And I think that's over. TikTok and YouTube are really picking up. But I mean, I hope that puts it in context for you. I hope that, that they, they told me that this was it. They said, be nice. And then I did all of this. And, and this is my only solution that I have left. And I've got really bad news for him. Because once he actually gets a girlfriend... Now suddenly, well, 
all sorts of other new games are going to come into play. Such as, well, why exactly did you want a girlfriend after all? Did you ever think that part through? Now, now maybe you're, you've been, you've been red-pilled and, and you understand that you want to be a family man and you want to be a dad and maybe these, these deeper trends in American society are going to bring you to the place of, okay, you're going to participate in having children. And I'm not against any of that at all because, of course, I've got five children and I don't for a minute regret um, having, you know, I never thought about having more, but I don't regret, you know, I'm, I'm glad I have five children. I'm glad I love my children. I love my children as young adults. Um, I don't have any regrets with respect to that. But if you think women are, if you think women are complicated to catch, <laughs> wait till you have one. <laughs> so, so let's delve a little bit deeper into this. He, he has another much longer video on, on, he updates his, he updates his mapping. And, it, and it's a, it is, it is a very interesting, it is a very interesting map. Um, men see women as either keepers, sleepers, or sweepers. Sweep under the rug, in other words, they don't want anybody to know that they're sleeping with them. Sleepers, they'll have sex with you, but not enough to marry you, sort of the Jordan Peterson thing. And keepers, willing to marry you. And he says men, men look at women in terms of biological value, such as, and he, he reduces that to looks. Now, again, there's tons more nuance, and these are, these are complex videos, personality, um, negatives are other men, and then there's other incidentals, but men are fairly simple. And he says women are quite a bit more complex. Women basically have two different axes that they judge men on. One is appearance, and the other is, um, so that, that sexual attractiveness goes along the bottom, and then quality, good guy, uh, good guy number here up to the top. So if someone who, if someone is a, a good guy, but unattractive, he's in the friend zone. If he's moderately attractive, he can get into the husband zone. And if he's maximally attractive and maximally um, a good guy, he can be Prince Charming. But of course, um, he also recognizes too that over the life of a relationship, things tend to tend to go in other ways. And so he, he runs through all of this stuff in his charts. And, and again, there's 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 a lot in here which is true and you can gain wisdom by doing this but of course this wisdom will get you will get your foot in the door but at that point then you're going to have to gain other levels of wisdom to continue to um, continue to progress in time now I am going to tomorrow probably am going to have something to say about the Jordan Peterson Sam Harris conversation, as uh, as Sam not Sam Harris but Sam Tiedemann I think I got your name right Sam said that conversation on YouTube was remarkably boring and it was the conversation on the Daily Wire Plus section was quite interesting um, interesting not in the sense that. Part of what's most interesting about this video is how Jordan Peterson is approaching it. And because, like many of you, I have watched a lot of these videos, and I've watched Jordan Peterson 
approach these videos in very different ways. And in many ways, sometimes, often, one of the most interesting things about these videos are how is Jordan approaching them? Which Jordan shows up for them? And, and I think in a lot of ways, Jordan here is sometimes the, maybe the scientist, maybe also the guy who wants to do an exorcism but has realized that if he's going to actually, actually liberate Sam from the spirit that is possessing him, it's going to be a lot more than just watching uh, Maps of Meaning five times from, from 2017. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to say about this conversation. But the conversation that really caught me Someone, I had skipped this conversation completely with Sarah Hill. I'd seen a little bit of Sarah Hill on Chris Williamson. This is the woman that's making the claims about how um, how the pill changing women's hormonal levels is, is impacting men. And so someone said, well, about halfway, it really gets it really gets going. Well, my guess is, so then I thought, well, I'll just start watching it from the beginning. And I was doing other things. And I was like, this is how I often listen to videos to sort of skim them. I've got something else to do. So I just start listening to it. And then if I start hearing things it's like, okay, this is a video I should probably take a look at. This, this video started out strong. And it started out strong very much sort of in the whole math universe here. And let's keep going foundational in terms of setting the stage for different minimum levels of investment in offspring, which then sets the stage for the evolution of sex differences. Okay, okay, so let's dive into that a little bit because people are, people need to understand exactly what this means. So you relate sex differences when you're trying to define a woman to the difference in size between the sperm and the egg. And an egg is pretty small and it doesn't look like much of an investment, but a sperm is way smaller. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's so interesting about that is that that you could say that that difference is fractal in nature is that it's echoed at every single biological level all the way up the chain to overt behavior that's a super interesting thought and just i had never really thought of just the physicality not just the physicality but of course many of you know women are born with all of the eggs they will ever have men produce sperm nearly constantly and of all of the sperm that go into um, a conjugal sex act only one of those perhaps two you know depending um no only one because identical well yeah the fraternal twins are going to actually reach its telos and so sperm is like I, I am terrified at what Grim Chris and those people are going to do with what I just said. Back to the video. Right, and so the definition of a woman, the definition of female, maybe even more broadly, female is the sex that invests more is compelled to invest more in sex and sex, sex and reproduction. And reproduction wouldn't be just sex. This is another thing that the, the narrower evolutionary biologists get wrong. I think it's one of the flaws in Dawkins thinking, for example, is that you can reduce sex, 
reproduction to sex, but that's foolish because human beings have a high investment strategy uh, in relationship to the propagation of their children. And so reproduction for human beings doesn't end with sex. For mosquitoes, it ends with sex. Right. For human beings, it just starts with sex. Right. And we have an... Right there. Peterson's been barking up this tree a lot lately. What tree is this? Well, individualism, sort of this highly biological approach to human beings. He's, he's, he's reaching the end of it. And he realizes that human beings aren't just individual organisms. Our sanity is between us. And this, again, is very Vervakian. It's very Peugeotian. Peugeotian. Our sanity isn't just between us. A woman is not just an a male. male. <laughs> Gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> a woman is not just a, a this, this is where he goes. He says, you know, the first chapter in her book is what is a woman? Because what is, and all, a lot of the other conversations we're having, what is a human being? What are we? Because it is a we. And, and so the, the whole math, well, I, I want to find a girlfriend. Well, there's something that's very telos driven in terms of finding that girlfriend, because of course they are looking to participate in something much larger than just romance or um, the fun of, of human, of having sex with a person. That, that, that girlfriend and all of these things tied into it are all filled with sanity, participation in something that is far larger than ourselves and it is far larger than just the biology 18 year investment and at least the first three years of that longer than that falls i would say by necessity more heavily on women and really heavily on women right, right. i think i think they say among chimpanzee females the chimpanzee mother carries its infant something like 500 miles clasped to its chest in the first year, right? And so... A Did you say chimp world? Monkeys are dumb. They're going to work because they don't know that they're being cheated. Second of all, you said it yourself. And everyone's kind of having sex with everyone. Yeah, you don't do that. Your whole point is that you could get the best genes for everybody and prove... And you're going to have to carry that baby for 500 miles. So in other words, there's way, way, way more going on than what we're looking at. We're, again, sort of like looking for the keys under the streetlight because that's where the light's at. Woman, not another issue maybe too, is that is a woman a single organism or is a woman a part of the mother-infant dyad? Right, right. So, right. Well, so th so that's a whole that that's a can of worms that we can we can open. I mean, there, there's this whole he theory. It's uh, Hamilton's theory of inclusive fitness, which is just this idea that your own fitness, just in terms of what your genetic representation in future generations is likely to be, is something that depends both on your own genes, but then also the genes of your relatives. Right, right, right. And and for women, um, in particular, who have all of that, you know, invested in their offspring, that this. I mean, 
it is an extension of yourself and and our relatives are an extension of ourselves. and there's no um relationship that um is like that evolution has shaped in a way that favors just unmitigated investment than the relationship between mother to child um, because there's one certain 100 or a certain 50 percent relatedness yeah, so mothers yeah. always know that this is their child you have mother's reproductive value meaning the possibility that she could translate her energy into additional reproduction that is decreasing while yeah, that of her yeah. infant is increasing and so it's essentially like passing the evolutionary baton from one generation to the next between these two individuals who have the highest levels of relatedness as possible in nature outside of identical twins. So, so, so I've wondered about this. That's an amazing statement. And I've, so we're sort of coming back to the question where we as a society are still wrestling with, you know, what is, what is a human being? What is, what, what are human beings? with regard to the transformation at puberty in female emotional response. So the personality data indicates that boys and girls are approximately equivalent in terms of their sensitivity to negative emotion. But that changes at puberty. And so, and so, and the change seems permanent and it seems like it's hormonally mediated. And so I've been trying to understand, so, and so what happens at puberty is that women become more sensitive to the entire panoply of negative emotions because they clump together. Mm -hmm. And so, and you might say, well, that's cultural, but it's not because if you look at the societies that have advanced the farthest in terms of gender equality at the social and economic levels, the differences in trait neuroticism, so that's that sensitivity to negative emotion between men and women are larger than they are in less egalitarian in less egalitarian societies. So when the society becomes egalitarian, the genetic differences maximize rather than minimizing. Okay, so then yeah. the question is, well, why would women be more sensitive to negative emotion? Because that comes at a cost. And the cost is at minimum, higher levels of depression and anxiety, but also higher general levels of unhappiness. So then you think, okay. Nothing new, Peterson said this many times. This is the women's side of his chart. Women have to be super careful and super picky, just like the Chimp World video where he says, no, you don't act like a chimp. You act like something else. You are not a chimp. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who keeps telling us we're chimps? Can't figure that out. They're more sensitive to threat. Mm -hmm. Why is that useful? Well. They're smaller than men at puberty, and so they should be more sensitive to physical combat threat. Mm -hmm. But they're sexually vulnerable, and that's a huge that's a huge deal, and not yes. to be underestimated. Yes. And I mean, in most societies, for most of human history, an unaccompanied woman was a target of attack. Right. 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 So, but then the third thing that's most important, I, I think, I want to know what you think about this, is that, well. Women are more attuned to threat because they're proxies for the vulnerability of their infant. And so women may pay a psychological cost for being more sensitive to threat, which is that they're more unhappy and that they're more anxious. But the benefit of that is that they're more alert to any signs of danger or predation or 
or threat in the environment and they can alert, well, they're gonna alert their husband, generally speaking, or the rest of the community to that. Now that also means they're gonna be more susceptible to false positives, right? They're gonna respond to threat when there's none there. But if you're taking care of a dependent infant and you're over responsive to threat, that's probably the right place to tune your errors. So, and, and that seems to me also a reflection of this. I love that phrase, tune your errors. That, again, Peterson's really good at this. I've, 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 I've gotten so much from him, you know, because you always have this sense of human beings can never quite get it right. So if you assume there are going to be errors, tune them, tune your errors makes good sense. Increased investment by women. So they have an increased emotional investment in their offspring, as well as an increased physiological investment. Now, before I make that Sam Harris video about his latest talk with Jordan Peterson, even while we're watching this video, pay attention to just in the few minutes we've watched it, how much Jordan is talking. Now, that's not a bad thing. I like listening to Jordan talk. I wouldn't be watching these things if I didn't want to listen to Jordan talk. In fact, sometimes I get frustrated because one of the things that I know is that your context creates a kind of talking, and we sort of miss Jordan Peterson as university lecturer. That's a, maybe we'll get that with Peterson Academy. Mm, I, I don't even know. So I've seen some of the Daily Wire stuff that they've done. I'm not even sure if that's, I, I don't I don't like any of that as much as I like sort of 2017 Jordan at University of Toronto with a class full of undergrads. That context, I think, was a really sweet spot for him that I, I don't know that you can really duplicate. Plus, you know, then he was popular sort of star professor. He wasn't however you would describe the last six years have changed him into now but so i like listening to talk but if you well maybe we'll just play a little bit of it because it's so it's so different so basically what happens is jordan asks a question and sam talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and jordan doesn't interrupt him he just lets sam talk why does he let Sam talk? Well, one of the things that he said in previous things is that with Sam, he sort of learned, he sort of had his combative style, and you can listen back, especially on the two audio podcasts only before the stage, the four stage encounters. Um, Jordan basically opted for a new strategy where he would ask a question. He would just let Sam talk. And then he'd ask a very precise, particular question. And then he'd let Sam talk. And Sam talks and talks and talks and talks. But not so with this video. Right. So, right. So, so, so I, I, I'll start with the woman piece, but there's also some interesting things that happen with testosterone during puberty to men right, that right. turn that off. Right. right. Um, and so I, I want to be able to return to that as well. But um, with women, I mean, absolutely. The thing that we need to remember is that the process of evolution by selection didn't wire us to be happy or satisfied. Or There's that in, you know, it's, uh, if you if you say, well, is that intent? No, no, that's not intent. But we always talk it like it is. But this point right here is so interesting. 
or or any it, it's like men i mean absolutely the thing that we need to remember is that the process of evolution by selection didn't wire us to be happy or satisfied or or any it, it's like it has designed us to survive and to reproduce and part of that means means that we're going to feel kind of terrible some of the time. And part of women's design, you know, sort of the design of our psychology is such that it does. It, it, it's like a smoke detector. It's tuned to picking up on even subtle cues of possible danger, just because the potential costs associated with what would happen if that actually, if that danger is real, is much greater for women um, for a lot of different reasons, some of which you've touched upon. I mean, there's one is that women are mothers. So it's like, you know, it's like you hear like you're eating for two, you're feeling danger for two you know you're right, having right. to protect yourself and your offspring you're more physically vulnerable because and the more offspring you have the more danger you're going to feel as of course you're physically you know women are smaller and have less upper body strength sexual vulnerability for the reasons you talked about i mean unfortunately sexual violence has been something that's been present as long as um, we've been around and it is certainly is something we see in all species with choosy females you'll have males who want to override that choice and um, and so there's a lot of reasons that well, women manipulation need. too. It's not merely that women are overpowered physically. It's that they're also right. susceptible to. Did you see that interruption right there? I mean, that's pretty normal for Jordan. And I've spoken before about it's very interesting who he interrupts and who he doesn't. Very devious manipulation on the part of Machiavellian and psychopathic men. Right. And they need to be alert to that that form of deception as a threat as well right as well and yes and, and even also with with other females and and mm -hmm. and, right, and, right, and the right. reason for this is that you know when you think about the cost it, for a woman if she's duped so let's just talk about sexual deception right if a woman is duped she could end up pregnant there's a nine month Screwed. investment there right and if you look especially at historical um you know types of populations like modern hunter-gatherer groups if you have a, a woman who doesn't have a father investing in the child the risk of infant mortality is like 80 percent Right, I mean, right, it's very right. high, and, and and the risk of death during childbirth even is very high. So women are putting their lives at risk every time they get pregnant. And then to get pregnant and have a really high-risk infant that's not getting invested in, she's not and getting... And the reputation, too. Yeah, and the reputation. I mean, there's so many costs to that, and the costs just aren't that, you know, it's not symmetrical for men. Right, the right. cost of those things aren't the same. And so our brains are wired to be differently sensitive to those kinds of cues because the consequences are so much more dire if you have a female body compared to if you have a male body, which you, is... Do you know it? Is there a literature? Okay. So again, what's so funny is that some of you are going to be really triggered by whole math. But if you listen to what she just said, he says it again and again in his little videos. He says, men are simple. Women are complicated. Well, why are women complicated? Well, listen to that story. But again, why on earth did I connect this to Jonathan Peugeot and Russell Brand? What does, what does Peugeot say to Brand that I think a lot of Christians are just going to sort of get caught? He says, um, you know, God isn't there to keep you from suffering. And in a lot of Christianity, a lot of popular Christianity around there, Tim Keller back in 2005, 2006 was barking up this tree a lot. He was using the language of religion. Um, Christianity isn't a religion because what religion says is basically 
you know, I'm going to find ways to avoid my suffering. If you listen to Sam Harris, <laughs> I know some of you get really annoyed when I talk about Sam Harris, but he is such, he is, he is so completely stereotypical of so many dominant elements of our culture and their inconsistencies. Because if you listen to Sam Harris carefully, he will tell you again and again that suffering is evil. Human conscious suffering is evil. And this gets into a little bit of my picking at some people at the corner that keep wanting to equate hell with eternal conscious torment. Because I'd never heard the phrase eternal, eternal conscious torment until somehow I'm on the internet and I'm listening to these debates between universalists and so on and so forth. And I keep hearing about eternal conscious torment. And I thought, I've lived for 50 some years of my life in the church and never once have I heard hell described as eternal conscious torment. Well, why? Well, because what has happened is that there have been subtle redefinitions that have happened in our culture, has happened in every culture. And Suffering is equal to evil. And so Jonathan Bajot basically says, guess what? The relationship between God and suffering, it's way more complex than God is letting me suffer. Therefore, there is no God, which in many ways is at the heart of a lot of people's deconstruction and deconversions. But um, with women, I mean, absolutely. The thing that we need to remember is that the process of evolution by selection didn't wire us to be happy or satisfied or, or any, it, it's like it has designed us to survive and to reproduce. And part of that means that we're going to feel kind of terrible some of the time. And part of women's design, you know, sort of the design of our psychology is such that it does, it, it, it's like a smoke detector. It's tuned to picking up on. And that isn't gonna end with you finding your girlfriend. So part of what's so interesting in terms of the, the re-entry of God number one into the culture. I mean, Sam Tiedemann, hopefully I said it correctly again, Sam, you know, made the point to me, part of the reason I have Sam on so often is because Sam's really smart. He makes a lot of good points. Um, if only you'd get that Trinity thing straight. Um, shoot, I distracted myself. Oh, yeah. Sam talking about Brett Weinstein talked about sort of this Gnosticism that's built into Brett Weinstein. That, oh, here's, here's this God that has designed us. And it's so interesting because it's also the case... Tim Keller pointed this out. I wish I could find the, 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 the part. I believe it's in his book on suffering, on, on human suffering. He made the point that the particular shape of the current problem of evil arose in the modern period, some think, with the destruction of Lisbon. It was a very famous catastrophe that happened in Lisbon on a Sunday. And now... Certain formulations of the problem of evil are very old and have been around a long time. And, and in many ways, you can sort of find them in the book of Job. You can find them in the book of Habakkuk. You can read between the lines of the Psalms. That doesn't go away. But this, this business about suffering 
is really quite foundational. And what's interesting is how this is now playing out in the continued evolution of religion. Now, some of you might say, well, all of this evolutionary psychology stuff, this is all about getting beyond religion. Oh, no, 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 no. This is deep into our current cultural development of the default religions vying for power within our culture. So a lot of people are going to watch Home Math for a while and then they're going to kind of be done with it because they have a girlfriend and then they're going to go on to all the other YouTube channels that are going to try and make sense of people's relationships. <laughs> and then we're going to have all the conversations like I've been having in my channel about, you know, people who, uh, children of divorce who that sort of drove a truck through their emotional world and they're still trying to sort it out. And that now is on top of the decision about um, you know, should, should, should I settle down or should I just, um, graze the female pop population for my own sexual satisfaction? And then you go back to Peterson talking, this was with his, his Chris Williamson video, where he talked about the fact that, as he just touched on here, there's something about our definition of who we are that means participating in something far larger than us as individuals, especially for our own personal happiness. One of the interesting things about some of these old religions is that they don't really go away. Gnosticism is very much among us. Epicurean is, you know, in many ways, Sam Harris is kind of an updated Epicurean. And there's a lot of that in our culture because it's, you know, well, it's, your, the basic formula is have as good a time as possible between 0 and 80, and then after that, you know, the big sleep. I'll just read you what I tweeted today after I finished watching the Sam Harris video. In the end, the Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, Daily Wire, again, the juicy stuff is the last hour behind the paywall, can be summed up, remember, disembody, there is no agency. Sort of riffing on Grim Grizz there. Sam wants what's best for you. And if you're on his naughty list, it either means re-education prison camp, because evil is a disease of the brain, sometimes mysteriously transmitted through religion, or annihilation through the military if you're not conveniently available for a straitjacket. The rest of you get meditation apps, because one day Soma will be invented and lovingly administered so that all of us will have eternal conscious blissfulness. Sam's bliss Sam blissfully will not read this tweet or listen to this video because he has already retreated to his audience-captured Fortress of Solitude to no longer be disturbed by religious grizzly bears like myself. A certain spirit of, liberal age, of the liberal age was born this week in the voice of Sam Harris. He so perfectly embodies one of the spirits that rule this age and so perfectly and shamelessly articulates that voice out loud. Oh, the religious wheels are continuing to turn. We live in very interesting times. Uh, just maybe some of you will have something to say about what I said in this video. And don't forget to connect it to, I released that video just a few minutes ago and it has taken off. We'll see what happens to it with respect to the Russell Brand, Jonathan Peugeot video. I have no idea, but this was very much in conjunction with that. Although this will come out on the usual time for homeroom in the morning, 6 a.m. Pacific. So like, subscribe, and hit the notification button.
<laughs> you can forget all that stuff. Just leave a comment if you have a thought.